Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall. I play Harrison Dula on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Star Wars Bookworms. Enjoy. Even men like Talon Card occasionally make mistakes. This is the Chimera. Launch the attack. Time to go to work. You won't let me get killed, will you? Is that what I was supposed to be doing here? I should have brought my lightsaber. So, Aaron, there is an Ahsoka Itty Bitty from Hallmark, and you can buy it, like, right now. What is, what's the occasion? Why is there a, an Ahsoka Itty Bitty? There's all kinds of retailers doing special May the 4th stuff, and Hallmark is releasing two special Itty Bitties for May the 4th, Ahsoka and Sabine. And they are online exclusive, so you can't find them in your local Hallmark store. And they're already online. They went online a day early. Who does that? <laughs> Who does that? Like, everybody's ready to, like, jump online at midnight or whatever, and they're already available. So by the time a bunch of people go on there to go and get them because they come out tomorrow, they're, like, going to be sold out. Did you get yours? No. This Why? Is, this is good, though, for people that are wanting to pick them up and have already heard the word that they're out there, so. Well, I mean, I bought mine, but why didn't you buy any? Um, I, I don't typically get the itty-bitties. I don't really collect them. That makes no sense. So I didn't, I mean, I did actually look at the Ahsoka one because you sent me the link, and it, it does look really cool. Like, if I was going to get an itty-bitty, I would get that one. But it's $9. It's not nine dollars. Yeah, I think it was like eight ninety five. Seven ninety five. Oh, so it's eight dollars. They're normally six ninety five, but they these are limited editions. Which means there's only so many of them made. Is this your sales pitch for people to go out and buy the itty bitties for May the fourth? I just think if people want them they should get them. There's also a limited edition Star Wars C three PO with a red arm. So that's cool. But the Ahsoka is adorable, and it's Rebels Ahsoka. Yeah, it does look cool. It is. It would be a cool little like desk ornament. And with May the 4th in mind, moving off of Itty Bitty, there are some books that did come out on May the 2nd, which people were like, why didn't they just release them on May the 4th? And that's because book release day is on Tuesdays, So, which was the 2nd. Did you have any like other plans that you're doing for May the 4th? Other than buying itty-bitties? Well, we didn't even just name the books I just said. <laughs> you just you distracted me with Hallmark stuff. I'm sorry. So the books that came out, and then I will answer your question, Aaron. The books that came out are Rebel Rising by Beth Revis, which tells the story of Jen Erso in the time frame from when we see her uh, with Saw Gerrera as a little girl to her prison cell on Wobani. And that's pretty cool. And then the other one is Guardians of the Wills, written by Greg Rucka. And that's about, like, Baze and Shurit and people like that. And so they look really good. Uh, Rebel Rising, I can already tell you guys, is going to be a must-read like Lost Stars. Have you started reading it? I have started reading it, but I'm also reading Thrawn. So, so you're doing two I books kinda, at a time. That's like a true bookworm. I know, right? I even took a picture with my nose in a book, like a bookworm. Yeah, I saw that. Yep. <laughs> so so you're reading Thrawn, you're reading Rebel Rising. It seems like you are liking Rebel Rising. What are your thoughts on Thrawn so far? I'm doing audiobook for that, and can I just say, holy buckets, Mark Thompson does Thrawn's voice, like, impeccably, that anytime I hear him talking, I get chills. Like, it's voiced so well, the whole book, all the characters, and I'm probably about five or six chapters in or something, and I am just, like, the story has, like, sucked me in. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And we're getting new stuff about Governor Price, which is very interesting to me. Cool. Well, we will do a full review of Thrawn eventually, um, probably within the next couple months. But mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I haven't finished it either. I've actually just started reading it um, again. I've, I read it. I was reading it before we went to Celebration, and the Celebration kind of interrupted it, and I haven't picked it up since. 
but other than I just did pick it up the other day and just kind of read a few more pages. But I don't know, for whatever reason, this one's starting slow for me. Oh, I think you should do the audiobook. Yeah. Use one of your credits. Maybe, but we'll see. I think I'm going to like it. It seems like general reviews have been very positive for Thrawn so far. So I, I think I probably will like it, but it's just sometimes books start out a little slow. Mm-hmm. And then to answer your question about doing anything for May the 4th, I don't think so. Uh, I think I'm just going to go by Hallmark, pick up some more Star Wars stuff, and that's about it. Yeah, the only thing I think I might do retail-wise is the Lego stores having a, you know, a exclusive if you buy $50 worth of Star Wars Lego that you can get this little like mini R2-D2 build. So I might do that. You're such a sucker. I know. I like the, <laughs> I like the little like exclusive Lego like poly bag stuff. So, mm-hmm. so I might do that, but I don't know. Maybe not. If I don't get a chance to get over to the Lego store, it's not a must-have. But if I happen to be in that area, I might stop in and do that for May the Fourth. I'm definitely gonna wear a T-shirt, like a Star Wars T-shirt, all day tomorrow. Oh yeah. Oh, well, I will do that. Even to work, which typically my work, they don't let you wear T-shirts, but I'm gonna do it anyways and rebel yeah and then um you know i might pop in a star wars movie i'm thinking yeah, maybe i'm thinking rogue we'll one because i actually haven't watched rogue one since it's been out on blu-ray huh that's interesting so it might it might be time for that i feel like a bad fan that i haven't jumped in and watched that one since it's been out of theaters yeah i mean i've seen it a couple of times but you know I think it's one of those things that I get real lazy when it comes to rewatching movies. And there's, it sounds so bad because I should just rewatch Star Wars movies. But the ones I actually put in when I don't have anything else to watch is Harry Potter. Yeah, save that for the Harry Potter podcast. Oh, there's a Harry Potter podcast? No, I'm saying, like, if you were doing a Harry Potter podcast, you could say something like that. Oh, yeah, but I don't have a Harry Potter podcast. Well, someday. There's a hole in my podcastingness. <laughs> I don't know if you might have space for another podcast. Well, I always have space for podcasts in my podcasting empire. <laughs> <laughs> podcasting empire, the empress of podcasting. That's such a weird word. I don't that word. Empress. Like yeah, empress. Sounds like you're trying to say impress, but you're saying it wrong. All right, so we have some news items to talk about, or at least some book news, book slash comic news. Before we get into our Empire's End review, because Empire's End is a book that we have been... We put off a couple episodes uh, that we were going to review it, but it is now time to review it Empire's End. It is now time. Yes. It is. And before we jump in on the news really quick, it, I guess it's news. fits in the news category. We started a Facebook group, which has actually been going really, really well. And I've really enjoyed, like talking to everybody in there i'm getting to know the people that listen to our show and i love that yeah that was uh your idea so i'll give you credit for that and you started it up and then suddenly people started jumping in and talking to us about books and all kinds of things so it's been it's been really fun it's only been up for less than a week now i think Mm-hmm. so yep, we have about 86 members currently and we have people sharing pictures of their books and comic purchases and stuff for May the 4th. We're doing like all kinds of polls and everything to see what people like to read. And people are sharing pictures of like their autographs in their books and meeting the authors and stuff. It's so much fun. I love it. And so that's pretty easy to find, right? If you, what's the, is there like a certain address people go to? Well, you can just, um, in the search bar on Facebook, just type in Star Wars Bookworms Facebook group and it will pop right up. All right. And we also linked it to our regular Facebook page. So if you go onto our regular Facebook page, over on the right column, I believe, if you scroll down, you can click to find our group. Mm-hmm. And it's not taking place. It's not taking the place of our book or our Goodreads group. No. Uh, we're still going to do the Goodreads book, you know, book club and all that. Um, but this is just another place that people can come and discuss. And this will be more general conversation. We won't get so focused in. Not that we won't talk about a specific novel if it comes up in the group, but we will continue doing the uh the goodreads book club as well mm-hmm. yeah and actually we have started thrawn in the 
book club. So you can head on over there and check it out. We have threads going over there already. And like he said, we're going to make keep our main discussion of books over here. But the Facebook group is really for us to actually finally get to know you guys. Because we just really talk to people on Twitter and don't really know everyone. And so we needed to fix that, I thought. Yes. So, so moving on to the news... Did you know that there was going to be a Lost Stars manga? I had heard that, actually, and I think I heard that directly from Claudia Gray herself. Like you guys were hanging out over a cup of coffee? We were hanging out over the interwebs for Fangirls Going Rogue. (laughs) And I think it's interesting. I think that it's great for people that like that kind of medium. I... Honestly, I never have. So I think it's cool. And I think it's good that they're expanding on Lost Stars to like keep it going. I'm just not as interested in it, I guess. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I don't typically read manga. I have in the past, but um, it's not something that I regularly read. But because it's Lost Stars and because it's Star Wars... Um, I'm definitely interested in checking this out. And I do like the art style, just from the preview images that I've seen online. So I And it's not like it's... I don't think it's even being released in the U.S. It's a series that's going to be um, done in Japan. And they're not... It's not like they're releasing uh, one book for it. It's going to be like little shorts that they do. Um, yeah, it starts on May 4th, and it's a bi-weekly chapters for free through a popular manga app. Right. So I don't know how easy it will be for us in the U.S. to find it. I'm sure somebody will, you know, get their hands on it and get it online. But, you know, I don't know where to track that down or if, you know, there may be a U.S. release eventually. I'm, I'm assuming there would be. But um, I think it's I think it's cool. I, I, anytime they, they take a novel and put it in a form where I can actually see some of the visuals and see the characters... I think uh, it gets me very interested to see if, like, are these characters going to look how I imagine them or are certain elements going to look how I imagine them? I always like comparing those things. That's really interesting because that's part of the reason I have no interest in seeing it. Because I I love that book so much, I don't want to see what their interpretation of the characters is. Just in case it doesn't match yours? Exactly. (laughs) And, well, another cool thing they're doing with this before we move on to the next item is they're actually doing kind of like a contest where they're having independent creators do their own version of, of the first chapter of Lords of the Sith and heir to the Jedi. Um, and they're doing it kind of like a contest where someone can do their own manga version of the first chapter of those books. And then the winners will actually be published. Um, so we will get not only the Lost Stars adaption, but we also get the first chapter of Lords of the Sith and the first chapter of Heir of the Jedi, which are both canon novels as well. We'll get to see those in, in manga eventually as well. So it's pretty cool. That is pretty neat. Well, the next thing we have up here, I'm, I'm kind of like sort of excited, but not because I haven't read any of the other ones. So I think it's a really cool concept. I just haven't gotten into it, which is that the Force Doth Awaken will be coming in October, which is the next edition of the Shakespeare-style Star Wars stuff by Ian Dosher. And so it's that Star Wars-Shakespeare mashup thing. And when I saw the name, I was like, The Force Doth Awaken. It was, I was like, really? I guess so. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, that was what got me interested when I saw the title. I was like, oh, that's a really funny title. It is funny, but it, the word doth does make sense. The force doth awaken. It was just different than the others. So each installment of these books has also had a, an extremely crazily cool illustrated cover. And this one's not any different. And BB hates wearing like a Shakespeare hat with a feather and like a cape. <laughs> In a very like vintage style yeah art style well which matches the previous books that have come out so and mm-hmm. i i've never read an entire 
one of these books, but I have read portions of them, and it, they are, they do a really good job. They're really funny, but it it's, it does get a little taxing for me as I'm reading through it. It's just like okay, once you kind of get what they're doing, it, it it is a little much to read the entire thing. Yeah, so. well, I like that it says Star Wars Part the Seventh. <laughs> but I I think I will I'll probably pick this one up just to have it, and I probably will flip through it and read read certain portions of it. Yeah, I might too, just because it's I I think this one I might actually want to get Return of the Jedi, or Return I don't know what is it in Shakespeare Return. I don't remember what they titled it for Return of the Jedi. Um, the Phantom Menace one actually they did where um, you get a, you get the inner monologue of Jar Jar Binks where he does not speak like Jar Jar Binks he speaks very eloquently <laughs> and they play it almost like he's playing like he's a fool just to trick the Jedi so it's it's actually an interesting take on that character that you don't you don't see anywhere else only in that Shakespeare book that's cool so I know you like the Phantom Menace so. I can I can get down with that. <laughs> um, and then the only other thing I wanted to bring up was just the the comic series. Um, they're going to do a short kind of mashup series for Marvel called the Screaming Citadel, which mm-hmm. is going to mash up, I believe, the Star Wars series and the Doctor Afra series. Yes. So these actually caught my eye. I saw the covers for these come out. Uh, they released the covers right before we went to Celebration, I think. They released a bunch of images of the covers. And some of the visuals really got me interested in this story. So, And I, I've liked the Star Wars ongoing series. Dr. Aphra, um, you know, her, her stuff in Vader, I wasn't as much into. And I haven't actually started reading her, like, single series. But um, the fact that she's teaming up with Luke, you have these characters that look almost Mandalorian or almost kind of like Old Republic style armor and then you have these other characters that look kind of like night sisters so just looking at the covers and in the different visuals i'm actually more excited for this series than i have been for a marvel series in a while hmm. yeah this will be one of those that i just have to pick up and actually read before i really know how i feel about it yeah and we we talked to jordan white at celebration and he had he had brought up this series as well so I don't know. Yeah. It looks like it's going to be pretty cool. They talk about some, I don't know, the, the Citadel Queen and the dark forces lurking within. I don't know. It just sounds cool. Like, I like the dark side. Anything that has to do with, like, the Force and, you know, different characters that know how to manipulate the Force um, gets me excited. Unless they're dark side characters. Well, I mean, it, dark or light. I mean, as long as the light end, or wins in the end, you know, that's all I care about. But I, I like the dark side elements as well. I just don't. That's not reality for the dark side. It's not reality. Sometimes the darkness does happen. (laughs) It's not supposed to be reality. It's fantasy. You know what? Somebody told me that the other day. It's not fantasy. It's science fiction fantasy. Well, either way, it's still some sort of fantasy. We've had this discussion on our show before. (laughs) (laughs) We're not going to rehash it right now. I don't know. Do you see anything on there? Like the the covers or any of the art that got that have you interested or am I alone on this one? No, you're alone on this one. But you know how it goes with me. Like I have to actually like get into it and read the story as a whole before I really know how I feel. I think the only comic I'm really excited for right now is that one coming from IDW. Ah, yes. And then well, and the mall comics. The mall comics are good. I like them. Yeah, I haven't started reading those yet either. So someday, are they pretty good? Not just I enjoy aside them. of the fact that Maul's in them. I know you like Maul, but no, just no, no, as but a story, like, I, is it good? I enjoy them. Okay, cool. Well, I look forward to picking those up eventually. Yeah, I know. I think the other problem for me is like, it's like, okay, they're announcing more and more comics. We're already so far behind on comics as it is. I don't, it just feels like more pressure. <laughs> like we like, actually won't get to reviewing the Screaming Citadel for like another year. So it's exactly. like, why are we even talking about it? Yes. <laughs> no, we're going to get caught up. We're determined. So We are determined because we're doing more shows. We just did an episode last week. so We know, did. This is, this is a lot faster of a turnaround time than we typically do. So our, our listeners aren't going to know what to do when they see this, sh- this episode show up in their feed. They're going to be like, wait, what? That must be a mistake. It's not. All right. Well, you ready to jump into reviewing Empire's End? 
I am. Are you? Yes, <laughs> That's a real question. I think I, just I am. Finished it. I, I, I know finished you, it. you just finished reading it. I have tried my best to refresh my memory on story elements enough that we can talk about it. Um, and are you going to be up for reading the, the story, like the synopsis? Sure. Okay, cool. So this is Empire's End from Delray Books. Our author is Chuck Wendig, and this was released February 21st of 2017, so just a few months ago. Um, And we are well past the spoiler alert policy, so we will be talking spoilers as we talk about this book. Yep. Go for it. Following Star Wars Aftermath and Star Wars Life Debt, Chuck Wendig delivers the exhilarating conclusion to the New York Times best-selling trilogy set in the years between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. As the final showdown between the New Republic and the Empire draws near, all eyes turn to the a once-isolated planet, Jakku. The Battle of Endor shattered the Empire, scattering its remaining forces across the galaxy. But the months following the Rebellion's victory have not been easy. The fledgling New Republic has suffered a devastating attack from the Imperial Remnant, forcing the new democracy to escalate their hunt for the hidden enemy. For her role in the deadly ambush, Grand Admiral Ray Sloan is the most wanted Imperial war criminal, and one-time rebel pilot Nora Wexley, back in service at Leia's urgent request, is leading the hunt. But more than just loyalty to the New Republic drives Nora forward. Her husband was turned into a murderous pawn in Sloan's assassination plot, and now she wants vengeance as much as justice. But Sloan, too, is on a furious quest, pursuing, pursuing the treacherous Gallius Rax to the barren planet Jakku. As the true mastermind behind the Empire's devastating attack, Rax has led the Empire to its defining moment. The cunning strategist has gathered the powerful remnants of the Empire's war machine, preparing to execute the late Emperor Palpatine's final plan. As the Imperial fleet orbits Jakku, an armada of Republic fighters closes in to finish what began at Indoor. Nora and her crew soar into the heart of an apocalyptic clash that will leave land and sky alike scorched, and the future of the galaxy will finally be decided. All right. All right, so you just finished reading this book. Mm-hmm. What would you like to talk about first? <laughs> uh, um, the fact that I actually was able to sort of get into this one a little bit more than the others, and it actually held my interest for the most part. I will say, though, that I did read this one on audiobook, and I kind of got sick and tired of listening to all the voices. It was a little bit too much. So out of the three books, the three Aftermath books, which one did you like the best? This one. Okay. Which is weird because I really didn't get into either of the first two. Like to the point that they were really hard for me to read and even just hard for me to listen to. I can say like I had to switch between audiobook and regular book for the others. And I think my audiobook of the, oh, what's the second one? Um, Life Debt. Life Debt. I still have 14 hours left on it because I ended up having to just read it the other way like regular book like because I just couldn't there was something just ugh I don't know I feel so bad about these that I just cannot get into them this one I was able to get into it more and what's interesting is that I almost feel like I didn't even need the other two <laughs> like the other two I could have just read this without the other two yeah I mean there were definitely elements of this one that I got really excited about and enjoyed reading. But I think overall, Life Debt was my favorite of the three. Um, and this book was just okay for me. I didn't love it. Uh, I definitely, I actually really liked Life Debt a lot. I think it was because of uh, Han Solo and Chewbacca and the stuff going on on Kashyyyk. Mm-hmm. That that whole part of that book really, really anchored it for me and, and made me really enjoy that book. The, the, the first one and this one were kind of still all over the place for me. And the big thing in the previous two books that got me that kind of was the redeeming factor for me was the interludes. Mm -hmm. But for whatever reason, the interludes all kind of fell flat for me in this one. Yeah, the interludes in this one were pretty boring. I didn't really like them. There was two that I actually did like. But for the most part, there was... There was just not a whole lot there. For me, in this one, it was all of the stuff with Sinjir was probably my favorite. 
and I got a, I got really tired of Nora Wexley in this one. In this one, she was just this whiny, complainy, almost like a child, and she got on my nerves. Whereas Temin, on the other hand, I actually really did enjoy, which in the other ones I haven't. So it's this weird sort of like switch, I think. I kind of I, in kind of going back to the whole audiobook thing. I did. I completely agree with you on the audiobooks for these. I actually stopped after the first one. I did the first one on audio. And I couldn't do the second one on audio, and I didn't do the third one on audio because I just didn't like the voices. The way mm-hmm. that they interpreted the voices just was so different than what I thought the characters were going to sound like that I had to just not do it. I couldn't do audiobooks for this one. So I just read it just like you. Um, but, yeah, this one, the th- one of the things that I got really excited about was the Battle of Jakku. Mm-hmm. and them ending up on Jakku and having the Battle of Jakku happen and just seeing that through different characters' eyes was actually very interesting. And then kind of like the whole idea of Nima the Hut, which was really bizarre, but for whatever reason, I was yeah. okay with it. It was really bizarre, like super weird. But I think the reason I was okay with it was because I like how different things connect in the universe and because I recognized her name as being the same as Nima Outpost from The Force Awakens, I instantly was like, oh, there's a there's a connection there. So now I care about this character. Holy um, crap. What? I had, can you believe it? Just, you said that. And I suddenly just realized that that was a thing. It just clicked. Like oh. just now. <laughs> I never, I didn't, I didn't get that. Nima the Hut is Nima Outpost. Duh. Yeah, so that was that was pretty cool. And in fact, I think if you look back at Ray's survival guide, they actually talk about Nima Outpost being named after a previous hut, um, like crime lord. Oh, so it how cool all is connects, that? which I love. It, you know, I get I into do. that stuff that connects. I love that too. I love all of the connections. Absolutely all of the connections. No, okay, so now that I know that, that's pretty cool. And you were mentioning the Battle of Jakku earlier, and I thought it was really cool to see the Battle of Jakku from this angle, because we've seen it from Force Awakens, like, the aftermath, you know, in the Force Awakens on the planet. And we've seen the part from Lost Stars, and now we're seeing this. And I actually had to go back and look at the names of the ships that were the focus in Lost Stars to try to figure out if any of the ships they were talking about were those, and they weren't, but we can all assume that they were all there, which is crazy. Right, yeah. I did think that was a missed opportunity that they didn't bring up those specific ship names or or even mention characters from Lost Stars. I thought that would have been a cool tie-in. But the there was a ship, um, the Ravager, which is the big kind of the big ship that is the center of the Imperial fleet above Jakku, that did get pulled down and we got to see how that happened, which I thought was really awesome because that's actually the ship that you see the skeleton of that big giant de- or Star Destroyer that the Falcon kind of flies through and have that, that big iconic scene in The Force Awakens. That's the Ravager. So we got to see the story on how that ship you know, ended up getting pulled to the surface of Jakku. Yeah, all of that stuff is really cool. I I am like you in that, that this is one of the parts of the new books and the new canon that I love all of the connections and the tie-ins and how everything fits together. What were some, I know you said you haven't really uh, like connected with the characters from these books were, did that change at all in this one? Did you have any of the characters? I I know we actually lost a couple of them. A couple characters died. Um, Were there any characters where, by the third book, you were kind of like, okay, I actually really enjoy this character, or were you still not connecting with them? Sinjir would be the only one. Okay. I'm not sure why. Sinjir got a little too dark for me. That's probably That's why. Probably why. There we go. We just figured it out. He's <laughs> like did, torturing and, people, and like, I, I don't know, like, I think it, it kind of happened a little bit in the last book, too, where he, he took torturing a little too far where you see this real this darkness that's still inside him and that kind of made me not like the character as much. Uh yeah, it's actually the thing that probably enhanced it for me was the fact that he was 
just very like cutthroat and even more so when he becomes Mon Mothma's like little aide and he's playing all of his games and all this stuff with with everybody and I oh I just love how he like freaking messes with people and he messes with people intellectually like talking to them he just screws with their mind and it was just so perfect like this is great (laughs) I do think out of these books he is he is probably the character that I have enjoyed most as an addition to the canon, maybe outside of Mr. Bones. Yeah, Mr. Bones is pretty good. I think Mr. Bones is such a genius uh, idea. Not And they've kind of done similar droids that we're getting in other mediums with these kind of murder droids. But the way that they write him, um, and that is one thing that they do well in the audiobooks, actually, is his voice, and they kind of nail how a battle droid sounds. But, yeah, I, I really enjoyed Mr. Bones and... You know, we said we we're going to talk about spoilers. Mr. Bones is dead now. I know. You know, that was sad. I mean, can a droid ever really die? I mean, they. Well, you can if it's completely like destroyed to the point where there's nothing left but an arm. Yeah, I just like I figure there's some sort of like there's some sort of data core that someone could recover. Unless he's like vaporized. I no, think he was like vaporized. Was he? he? Was, yeah, he was like dusted. Okay. I mean, see, I, like I said, I hadn't, I haven't read this one in a while, so I'm, I'm forgetting the details of how he died. Yeah, there's no way he's like, he's bye gone, bye. gone. He's gone, gone. Well, I guess maybe that makes sense though, because we see, you know, Tim and Wexley, we see Snap Wexley in the Force Awakens, and there's no sign of, of Mister Bones hanging out with him. So I guess that it kind of makes sense that they had to, to, get rid of him. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I don't really have a problem with anybody that they killed off. It doesn't bother me in any way in this one at all. So it's kind of like whatever. Like, John died? Okay. Yeah. I don't care. I don't really care. Uh, obviously, Timon lives. Sinjir lived. I'm glad that Sinjir and his little dude got back together, whose name I don't remember at the moment. Um, <laughs> what is his name? Oh, my gosh. Oh, man. I'm blanking on his name, too. I don't remember. I think I but, t- it's in here somewhere. I'll find it. But yeah, so they got back together, and that was that was nice. And I don't know. You know, Brenton got on my nerves a little bit. I don't really care that he died. I think it's interesting that Admiral Ray Sloan is still alive because I want to know what the heck that means going forward because she has to die eventually unless she's somewhere in The Force Awakens and we don't know it's her, Snoke. Uh, that's my Snoke theory for Your the Snoke day. Snoke theory is Sloane. I think, um, you know, she could be a character that exists in the time period of The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, and we just don't see her. I mean, we don't have to see every character that's alive, so I'm completely cool with her still being around. Um, I am too. I am I th- too, because I do like her character. I thought they were playing her to a point where they were going to have her join the, kind of the Resistance, or join the Rebels, or whatever they are at this point. Um, the New Republic, but they were kind of heading that direction, and then she went. Uh, she kind of swerved at the end. So I was actually surprised. I thought either she was going to die or she was going to join the New Republic. I did not think that she was going to stick with the Empire because the Empire had been treating her so poorly. But I guess because she was able to get rid of the person she had a grudge against, she was maybe thinking this is her chance to kind of shape the Empire or at least help shape the future empire which what i which i guess is what's becoming the first order yeah and i i i thought kind of the same as you but then when she ended up with the empire i'm like well that makes sense now you know there was a character that did show up which was imbo that i was actually very pleased to see and like dengar and them like i really like the bounty hunters i found out more and more yeah, the mercurial swift who i actually no, re- he can go die i know i actually really liked him um, in the first book when they just had him as an interlude and they had him face off against Dengar and it was kind of the, the new guard taking over and I was like, that's a really cool little interlude. And then they brought him back in the second book and I was like, eh, I don't really like this guy that much. And by this book, I just, I'm with you. Like, you know, kick him out the, the airlock, which I think is pretty much what happened to him at the end. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, and I was actually happy to see that Dengar and uh, Embo joined Jazz at the end. So Dengar kind of gets the best of Swift. You know, we got to see the interlude where Swift got the best of him, but in the end, 
Dengar is still the one that gets to kind of live on. So I thought that was that was kind of a, a nice little wrap up. Yeah, I agree, and I really did like Mon Mothma in this book too. Mm, yeah, and I do really like her as a character, and I'm liking her so much more and more as things go through, like with her in Bloodline, and then in this book, and then I think we're going to see a lot of her in that Rebel Files book with Dan Wallace, so I'm excited because I really like her, and I'm surprised because I didn't know I was going to like her as much as I do, but I do. Yeah, she's... She hasn't been very consistent for me in the different stories that she shows up in. You know, sometimes she seems very passive and kind of boring. Other times she's got this, like, spunkiness to her. Uh, she's Sometimes she's ready to go to war. Other times she's a pacifist. Like, she just, it's like they haven't landed on where they want her character to be yet. So, I don't know. She's She's a character I'm not really enjoying too much kind of boring and i don't get into the politics side of things when it comes to star wars anyways that stuff i kind of skim over in this book, uh, yeah this book felt there was a lot of that in the senate votes that were going on and kind of the you know her talking to that other guy that was trying to discredit her and all of that war world world hall yeah it felt very much like bloodline you know yes was, and i loved bloodline so if you're a fan of bloodline you would have liked that stuff. If you're not a fan of all the politics and what was happening in Bloodline, you wouldn't like that. So it just depends on what your taste is. But for me, that stuff was kind of the more boring part of this book. Yeah, I love all the politics stuff. I loved all the vote stuff. I loved when uh, Sinjir and Temin and Han and uh, Sinjir's friend guy, they his partner, um, when they were going to try to figure out like why or to get the votes back and all that stuff. And then like it ends and you don't know if they got the Senate vote. And then you're in Mon Mothma's quarters and her little aide comes and says, you know, do you or, like they get a call and does the Senator or does the chancellor have anything to say about the vote? And her little aide is like, why should she? And I was like, just tell them already. <laughs> like I was, I was like dying inside. It was so cool. <laughs> Oh man. Well, were so you had said there were a couple interludes that you liked, but overall you weren't loving them. So what were the two that you did like? So the lumpy interlude was good, <laughs> but it was mainly because we just recorded our episode about Chewbacca comics. We just were talking about him and then he we showed We were just up. talking about Lumpa Wumpa Wobru. And uh yeah, and then he showed up and I was like, "Hey Lumpy!" <laughs> Lumpa Wumpa Roo. Yes, um, that one was, it was fine, but it just didn't, there really wasn't anything that happened other than the fact that they brought him back into canon. I guess that was the big reveal. Yeah. But he just was, you know, kind of hanging out and then he sees Chewbacca at the end. Yeah, that's about it. That's how I felt about a lot of the interludes was just that nothing really happened. You know, they were just, they were, they threw in Lando in one, they threw in Jar Jar in one, they give, give us Lumpy, but there wasn't anything significant that happened. Yeah, like the Jar Jar one I did enjoy, but again, it was the same thing. It was sort of fell flat, but it was interesting just to sort of see Jar Jar again. And then the third one was the Lando one that, again, didn't have a whole lot to it, but it was interesting. And he decided to give the give Ben a ship <laughs> which as a baby present. <laughs> so I thought that was like, OK, you need to learn what a baby present is. <laughs> So the Jar Jar one actually kind of made the the big news when that got revealed. Before the book um, even was released, people had kind of started leaking the fact that there was going to be this interlude with Jar Jar because everyone was just excited the fact that, I guess, Jar Jar is still officially around after Return of the Jedi. That was like the first confirmation we got of that. Um, there was a lot of excitement over that. Were, I know you said you liked it. Like, where, How did you feel about seeing Jar Jar the way they portrayed him, did you expect that he was going to be that? I think it's fitting, you know, for him to not really be active in politics anymore and not really be doing much of anything, but just to be enjoying life and to wanting to entertain kids and just being himself. And I felt like it was a good representation of who he is. Hmm. I just felt bad for him. I was like, man, I really had hoped by this time he would have like, 
figured out something in life that he would be doing something with his life, maybe have a family or something, but he just kind of living on the streets being a clown. I was like, oh, yeah, it's kind well, of a sad just, existence. I don't think so. I think he's happy with it. He seems very content. You yeah. know, and it's not our... It, I don't know. I, I have... I kind of take issue with that whole thing of sort of judging people based on, you know, what we perceive them to have or like what we perceive as being happiness. Because a person like Jar Jar can be just as happy as somebody who has like a family and a career and stuff just being who he is and entertaining kids and getting joy out of seeing them smile and so like that's kind of what i got from that i'm not disagreeing with you i'm not being judgy on jar jar i'm just saying that um the way that i read it it didn't seem like he was that happy in what he was doing it wasn't like he was super happy he seemed sad Hmm. but maybe i just misread it or read it differently than you did Maybe. I think that Mapo kid was sad. Yeah. Well, it was like these two people who had, you know, who were very sad and lonely found each other. I thought that was kind of the whole point of the interlude, that maybe there was some happiness in their future because they found a camaraderie. Um, but in that moment, they both seemed like they were pretty, you know, down in their luck. And that, I don't know, just as a someone who was hoping to see Jar Jar, uh, you know, with a bit, doing a little bit better. Yeah. So... Not judgy. I'm not judging him. Not judging. I'm not judging. Call me out Jar Jar. for judging Jar Jar. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm just protecting him from you. You are. People you are, like you. You're very protective of the Phantom Menace. Anything that's associated to it. That's um, true. That's I wasn't attacking true. Jar Jar. Um, so, I guess for the interludes for me, there were there wasn't any major standouts. I did actually kind of like the one where they were. They had mentioned the Church of the Force and the mm-hmm. the members mm-hmm. of the Christophsis. Church of the Force. Yeah, that were they were returning the the Kyber crystals. I thought that was a nice tie-in um, to the you know we had heard that term before the Church of the Force. So that was that was kind of a, na- a good name drop. Um, but beyond that, yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. There wasn't there weren't any major standouts. Mm-hmm. The yeah. U- there was a U wing appearance, which was kind of just a throwaway line, but they did mention a U wing. Yeah, see, again, ships. I don't. I get them all confused. They all look the same in my head. You know what a U-wing is, though. Except for an X-wing and a... The U-wing, like the major y-wing? ship from uh, Rogue One. I don't remember what it looks like. Okay. Well, I, I thought... really don't. Like, I don't have this capability to understand ships. Like, if it's the Ghost or the Falcon, that's one thing. And I know what an X-wing looks like because it looks like an X. But... Past that, A, B, Y, whatever, I, I'm done. <laughs> it's okay. I don't... I'm the same with like equipment, like guns, and people that know all the names of the different types of guns and stuff like that. I'm just like, wow, I have no idea. Like, I could learn like alien species and plants and planets better than you can try to teach me a ship. Yeah. I mean, like, I think I know what a B-Wing looks like. And I know what a hammerhead Corvette looks like. <laughs> and I know what a home one in a Moncal ship looks like. They okay, look like so, little flats. So you know but more. You're not giving yourself enough credit. But I don't... What is a U-Wing... It's the, the big thing? one that they revealed for Rogue One. It was the unique new ship they designed specifically for that Rogue One. That means nothing to me. There's so, no description in that at the, all. <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, there was a bit... There was all this news about it. They had this big reveal video and all that. So I thought maybe that yeah, would spark your I memory. I would not pay attention it's to it. It's blue and white. And it has the 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 wings that kind of make a shape of a U that face forward. But then the wings flip back. And they have this cool V shape. And no? Still not sparking your memory? You should just go to Google and just type in U-wing. Oh. Uh, that would help. Okay. <laughs> but they're in the ship a lot of the, the movie. And you see them during the... The battle, um, you see a U-wing. You see some U-wings during the the big battle on Scarif. Oh, Scarif. that's an A-wing. So <laughs> I'm like looking at all. Are there like ships for all the letters in the alphabet? No, just I mean not not in canon. Oh no. yeah, the B-wings are the ones that look real weird and look like they shouldn't be able to fly. That was the big Hera episode where yes. she got to fly the B-wing. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah, and um, I yeah. I stink at remembering stuff like that. I mean, like, I know what an AT-AT is, and I know what an ATST is, but, like, then, like, ATTE, ATAT, 
P. I don't know. All right. So before we get too far <laughs> off track again in this episode, um, the one of the other things I really did like about this book, one of the positives was some of the background information we got in the setup for the future involving the Emperor and kind of how some of this stuff seems to be part of his plan. You know, he you know he's on the second Death Star. We get the opening scene of the book, actually. He's on the second Death Star. He knows things are going bad. He's not going to live through this encounter. And so he's already setting in motion the future. You know, he's got racks that he's sending off saying, okay, you need to survive so you can go kick off, like, my backup plan. And um, I think that's that's actually kind of cool to see that the Emperor didn't just get defeated um, in the original trilogy, that he is actually kind of part of the, what seeded what we see in The Force Awakens in, in the sequel trilogy. Yeah, it is kind of neat, but I also think it's like giving the Emperor too much credit. You, you I think mean, you could have done without that? Like you were fine with the Emperor being killed and then a whole new kind of bad yeah. guy in the next Yeah, ones. I was completely fine with that. Okay. Yeah, I could I could see it either way. Um, but I, I did like just the, the connections that they did there. And I like to see, you know, where we're seeing the signs of what happens in the sequel trilogy. So we get Hux, mm-hmm. you know. And... I do like that. I do like seeing how the First Order is becoming the First Order. But I don't necessarily need the Emperor to be involved in it. Right. Yeah. And I don't know if that'll just be kind of a, a, a book thing that they don't really ever, you know, do in the movies you maybe maybe they never make that connection in the film so if you only ever watch the films you know you don't make that connection but the books might run with that idea a little bit just to give them more space to tell stories maybe um but i did like kind of the like them having hucks there and then the whole idea of him training these very young children uh to be these like elite warriors we saw kind of the beginnings of that all the way back in the servants of the empire junior novels where we yep. saw Hux in his little academy and stuff. And so to see that continue on and then to see kind of this young group of children who are on this ship with Sloan going to kind of go into hiding, it's basically, it seems like at least, that this is kind of the beginnings of the First Order and those little kids that, that you see there are the kids that kind of grow up to be people like Hux in The, in the Force Awakens and other people that are going to be running that. That's why so many of the people that we see in the movie are these, you know, it's young people that are running the first order. It's not like older people. It's people in their like twenties or thirties. Yeah. And you know, I hadn't really put it together with that. I had just sort of seen them as the new stormtroopers and stuff because Finn was taken when he was a young kid. And so when I heard that, I thought they were really just training them to be like the new stormtroopers because Hux is in charge of the stormtroopers. And he was had these kids, and these kids were supposed to be in his charge. So for me, I didn't see them as being the ones running the First Order. I just saw them as stormtroopers. Yeah, and I think it's probably a combination. You know, some of them become the leaders, and then the whole idea of, of kind of brainwashing these children and making them into warriors is probably what, you know, started the idea of these, of these stormtroopers as well. You know, we've talked about a lot of the book. We've been kind of jumping around. Was there anything that we missed that you wanted to talk about before we wrap up? I think there was a really cool part, and it, you did put it in here, when Bones, he gets like completely broken apart by these Imperials. They like completely tear him apart, and then he just sort of like starts like sucking his parts back <laughs> onto his body to like fix himself. And I think it's cool that he has that built into his programming to fix himself. And so he starts putting himself back together to fix himself, and he frees Nora by, like, just kicking the crap out of these people. And He, like, rips somebody's arms off. Yeah. (laughs) So violent. Like, go Bones. (laughs) Yeah, that was was definitely a cool part. They did, they kind of messed with the storytelling a little bit on this one, where um, a lot of the people that you were used to seeing together weren't together. You know, Tamman and Bones got separated. Um, you know, a lot of the group got separated, so you only saw Jazz and um, Nora together for most of the novel, and then Sinjir's with Temin the whole time, and so they kind of broke the team apart, and then even Jom only shows up very briefly um, and ends up dying, so they they definitely kind of changed it up a little bit. They weren't together as a team for most of this book like they were previously. 
Yeah. And you know what? I actually enjoyed that because it was easier to focus on the characters a little bit at a time. Yeah. And then Sloane, you know, she's kind of off helping start the First Order maybe. Are you a fan of Sloane? I think you said previously that she was kind of one of the characters you actually liked. Yeah, I I still like Sloane. I'm curious to see what happens with her because she's sort of in limbo now. Yeah. And I don't think we have any other... We don't really have any other books announced yet that are going to kind of continue on the story or at least the you know this time period yeah i don't think so i mean not right now i mean the next thing we really have coming up from them is phasma so that's definitely not in this time period although we might get a little bit of sloan in there because of learning phasma's backstory and how she becomes the chrome trooper and all that that's true yeah i guess phasma would fall in you know somewhere between now and the beginning of the force awakens so yeah i guess that will kind of fill in some of the gaps i didn't think about that good call it's it's possible anyway all right well anything else that you want to talk about for uh empire's end not for this one i don't think wrap up the aftermath series i think uh you know, we're both reading Thrawn now, so that'll probably be the next novel that we cover. We might throw in a couple comic reviews between it. Yeah, and we, um, you know, there's definitely Rebel Rising, Guardian of the Wills to cover. I know people want us to do that as well. So there's stuff, but we're about to get slammed with a bunch of things. So I think next up is comics. Yeah, we're going to do a comic because, you know, comics, you can read a comic in like an hour. So we can definitely uh, consume those a bit faster than we can these novels. So... I think the next comic we have coming up to review is Vader Down. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I think so. We have that one in hand, ready to read and ready to uh, to to review on the show. So our next episode, we will most likely be covering Vader Down. Um, until then, you can follow us on Twitter at SWBookworms. You can email us StarWarsBookworms at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, and we just talked about our new Facebook group. So if you want to jump into the conversation over there head on over to facebook uh, and check out our page and join our group if you would like yeah and please head on over to itunes and leave us a review or whatever podcatcher you listen to us on give us a five-star review and write something up really nice and actually we still have some buttons to give away so if you leave a review and then take a screenshot of it and send us an email about your review we will send you some of the exclusive Star Wars Celebration Orlando buttons that we still have. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Ice Cold Penguin, and you can find Aaron. He is at AV Goins. And until next time, keep on reading, and may the Force be with you. <laughs>